0: Shannon here. Welcome to our first bonus episode. Yay. This is the interview that I had with Naomi McDougall-Jones, the writer, producer, and star of the new movie Bite Me. And the audio quality is a little wonky, but it was most
1: certainly over the phone. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Don't suck. Hi, I am Naomi McDougall-Jones, and I am the writer, star, and producer of the independent feature film "Bite Me, which is a subversive romantic comedy about a real-life vampire and the IRS agent who audits her. Um, Mm -hmm. This is my second feature film. My first feature film came out in 2014. It was called Imagine I'm Beautiful. It was a 12-time award-winning film on the festival circuit and got a theatrical distribution deal and is now available on Amazon Prime. Um, But right now, I am in the middle of a 51 screening, 40 city, three month tour with Bite Me um, that began in New York City on May 1st, uh, May 6th, with three sold out screenings. And from there, myself, my husband, and a documentary filmmaker moved into an RV, and we began driving south and doing screenings. <laughs> and we are now in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then we're heading west, continuing to head west, going up California to Portland, Seattle, zigzagging our way back across the Midwest through New England and ending again in New York on August 1st. That's amazing. Yeah, it's
2: very exciting. That's super cool. I don't know if there's anyone I would want to be in an RV with for that long. Yes, so this you raise a
1: key point here. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> did, did
2: you guys think of that? <laughs>
1: yes, we thought about that deeply. So my husband, mm-hmm. I felt like would, I could probably live in him, with him in an RV for three months. And then because, what, because we're going on this crazy adventure all over the country and also because what we're doing is pioneering a, a new kind of distribution for independent film, we knew that we wanted mm-hmm. to make a docu-series about the tour itself. And so we knew that we probably were going to have to bring a documentary filmmaker on the tour with us to do that. And I thought very long and hard about who I would be willing to live in an RV for three months with. And luckily, that person happened to intersect with um, one of my favorite people who is also a, uh, an, independent, an extremely talented documentary filmmaker, Kiwi Callahan. We've been friends for about 10 years, and she's really terrific. And fortunately, she said yes. Yeah. So it's a yes. short list of people that I would live in an RV with for three months, but fortunately, I'm in this RV with two of them. And you said you started me sixth? Like a yep. month so we're, we're about a month in. We've got eight weeks left. Nice. Um, okay. And it's just—it's the the whole thing is called the Joyful Vampire Tour of America. Um, and at what we're trying, what we're doing—that's different. So the way that independent mm-hmm. films are normally distributed is terrible. Yeah. It's terrible for. Oh. Uh, Yeah, so it's terrible. So it's terrible for filmmakers because what's happened as a result of Netflix and streaming and a decline in theater attendance is that distributors are now acquiring a ton of independent content and just dumping it into the marketplace with almost no marketing dollars or strategy behind them. And so our Uh films are just getting sort of slung into the abyss of iTunes, never to be seen again. Um, And from the audience perspective – um, I, I actually, in my other side career, I travel the world speaking to audiences about the lack of women in film, and um, consistently after those talks, audience members come up to me and say, like, why don't they make good movies anymore? And my <laughs> reply is always, we are making good movies, you just don't know how to find them. Um, yeah. So when it came time to release this film, which is my second feature and my producing partner's fifth feature... We had had been lucky enough to get traditional distribution deals for our first films, but had very pretty underwhelming experiences with them. So we decided that we were going to go rogue and see if we could invent a new and more empowered and more sustainable model for distributing independent films by taking out the middlemen of the distributor. So we started calling theaters and just saying, we have this vampire romantic comedy and um, what if we came, and what if we we were there to do Q&As with the audience after each screening, and what if we made it even better, and we did um, joyful, we threw parties, joyful vampire balls after yeah. every screening um, to give the audience even more reason to come. And so many theaters said yes, that we actually had to start saying no to them because we realized that we couldn't do more than 51 screenings in 90 days, or we would die. Yes, that yeah. is intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the film is actually simultaneously available online on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, and a wonderful independent platform called Feed and Sparks. Um, because the idea here is that because we're only stopping in each place for one night, um, when that audience leaves the theater and hopefully wants to tell all of their friends about the movie, um, well, they can't see it in that place anymore, but they can immediately go home and watch it online that night. So then they can... So will be a part of it and still see it and still. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. So okay. that's what we're
2: doing. That is fantastic. And we watched your movie via Amazon the other day. And oh, And had, had a totally fun time. And we also had several people who thought it was adorable, not in a patronizing way, that it's the Joyful Vampire Tour. And that when, so we're going to your Idaho Falls uh, yes. event.
1: And like we're it's just gonna like, be an know what
2: to, like, what do we wear? I don't know what to wear. <laughs> and we also think it's funny. It's normal that you're going to Sun Valley because like Sun Valley has kind of like a movie situation. Um, yeah. But we're like, Idaho Falls. Why are they going to Idaho Falls? But we only have so many highways here. So I'm like, I guess that makes sense. It's like kind <laughs> of on the way. Um, but we're just like, nothing happens in Idaho. We're kind of just. Like, I think they consider Idaho literally in the middle of nowhere because we've got, like, <laughs> one highway that yeah. connects us to things. But,
1: but and so been,
2: everybody goes – oh, go ahead, Harry.
1: No, but that's been the really special part about doing the tour this way because you're right, like, for 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 films – particularly independent films, even if you do get theatrical distribution normally, there are so many places in the country that those films just don't go to because maybe they don't have an independent mm-hmm. film theater or, um, or just, you know, they tend to get played in the bigger cities. So uh-huh. we've gone to a lot of places that never get to watch independent films. Um, well, that's really cool. And it's been, it's, those have been actually the best screenings because we're getting to bring something really different and special.
2: Yeah, because everything usually does come to Boise, specifically, which is where I live. Right. And so we're just like, what? They're not, e-, like, the one town that anybody <laughs> ever comes to in this first so state? Like, they're not even... And then we, yeah, like you're saying, that's awesome, that you can go to different areas that don't necessarily have the same um, access to things. Right. And I don't know much about Idaho Falls. I don't even know if I've been there. I think I drove through it when I went to Yellowstone, and I don't even know what's going on in Idaho Falls, so that's super cool that they get this awesome experience.
1: Neither do I, but I guess we'll find out together.
2: Yeah, very cool. Well, um, we usually start our episodes of the Empire Movie Club, if I can start asking you questions. Of course. Yeah, (laughs) Sweet. So we start um, with silly questions that start our episodes, like things that kind of spark my brain when we're watching it. Like when we watched Lost Boys 2, uh, it was totally what is, sorry, uh, did you play an instrument in high school? Because the saxophone player from Lost Boys totally makes an <laughs> appearance in Lost Boys 2. And that guy (laughs) is the bane of my existence and actually is coming to Boise, we found out, because he has a legitimate band. Yes. Whoa. Um, I have unreasonable rage about that man, and I don't know why. He's probably a very nice gentleman. (laughs) But so our ridiculous question for your movie ended up being about your co-star, Christian Colson. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. I'm not saying his name
2: weird or anything.
1: No, that's correct, and I'm excited okay. for this question
2: because he's Tom Riddle. So yeah. we're asking you, what uh,
1: do you have a Hogwarts house? I do Gryffindor. Okay, um, and are I'm, you a Gryffindor? Yes. So I am a giant Harry Potter nerd, and Yay! and and we we knew we wanted. Um, an English actor for that role, and we we want we were hoping for some Harry Potter actor because we knew that that the, the people who loved Harry Potter would probably love Bite Me. So that so we wanted somebody mm-hmm. who who would bring that fan base to the film. And as we were looking through mm-hmm. actors from those films, Christian really um, stood out to us as being so perfect for this part. And so we offered it to him, and luckily mm-hmm. he said yes. Um, but, okay. being, be, but, being such a, but being right, but being such a giant Harry Potter nerd myself, I have to say that it was like a full weekend of filming before I could look at him without being like Tom Riddle. Yeah. Uh, it was very embarrassing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well,
2: um, what do you call it? So four, four of us, so there were five of us that watched that day, and four of us are, like, good Harry Potter fans. And then one of us, one of them, or, like, one of us, I guess, was just like, I don't even know if I've seen it. We're just like, ugh fine, fine. <laughs> Everybody has their own like work. Yes. And so we're watching the movie and the three of us were just like, I'm re- like, and normally I can pick up on people's voices and all hmm. recognize their voice before I ever recognize their face. And I'm just like, who is that man? And it wasn't until we started recording that I'm like, oh, okay. And then that's where our, our question came in. And so it all kind of came yeah. full circle. Yeah, um, We have two Hufflepuffs and two Slytherins in the group of five that oh, we were...
1: Very good. Yeah. And then the fifth member does not know their house because they don't know a Harry Potter person.
2: Yeah. No, he knew enough to say one syllable from each house, which uh-huh. I'm quite impressed with. <laughs> um, and so I'm just like, I wouldn't be even... I'm like, Grissa Raven Hufflepuff. Yeah. like. Good job, that guy, for coming up with even that. So that is super fun. Um, Are you you a
1: Hufflepuff or a Slytherin? No,
2: I'm a Slytherin. (laughs) Okay. My husband and I um, are both Slytherins, and we both have tested as Gryffindors, thought uh, thought it was crap, and then cheated and retook the test. That we got the answer we wanted, which I feel is a very Slytherin thing to do. I it
1: is a very Slytherin thing to do, but that's part of the hat, right? Like if you were really had the hat, you you Mm -hmm. would get to be part of it.
2: Yes, and that's exactly what my husband explained when he was telling his story, where he's like, "No, the hat takes into account what you want," and I'm like, "You're right, it does." (laughs) So we are both um, we are both proud Slytherins, and it's just funny that we've been together for almost ten years. We went to Universal recently, and it wasn't until this Universal trip, like Universal Studios trip, that we're just like we found out that we both tested Gryffindor, both cheated, and both decided on Twitter. What? Oh, we're you did like, that oh. together.
1: Independently, you did the same thing.
2: Independently, we did this. Wow. And we're like, oh my god, we're in love. It's gross. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so. so sweet. That was cool. Um. So. One of our questions, I think it was from Jordan, was when you were writing this, did you write vampire first or romance first?
1: Yeah. Okay. So the, the the seed of the idea started with romantic comedy because I love romantic comedies a lot. But like from the 80s and 90s when they were good movies, you know, like <laughs> smart and well-written and feminist and just the good movies. Um. And it's, as a viewer, it's made me so sad that that genre has taken such a horrendous nosedive into Katherine Heigl's <laughs> Fluffland. Um, and so I, was, I really wanted to write a great one and see if I could revive that genre. And um, so I was sort of mulling around how to do this and, and grappling with the fact that in the 80s and 90s, those films are set against a backdrop of a time that was really sort of giddily optimistic and hopeful and freewheeling and mm-hmm. um, joyful and now I was trying to write this, the same kind of movie in the context of a world that is really sad and dark and scary and cynical. Um, oh, cool. And so then I was, I was trying to figure out how do you, what the answer to this conundrum was when I was acting on the set of HBO's Boardwalk Empire and mm-hmm. got chatting with one of the background actors one day who revealed to me that she was a vampire. And oh, cool. my reaction was what? <laughs> and then my second reaction <laughs> was, uh, tell me everything. And so she explained to me that there is a re- real-life global community of people who identify as vampires. And I went home and I fell down the internet rabbit hole of researching these, <laughs> uh, this community and watching their vlogs on YouTube, of which there are a surprising number and mm-hmm. uh, just became completely fascinated and wa- I knew I wanted to make a movie about them and suddenly in a flash realized that that was this also the solution to my romantic comedy problem was to put vampires in it. Cool. Oh,
2: nice. Um, I appreciated, all of us did in the club appreciated that it was a different take on vampires because we are most certainly watching 700-some-odd vampire movies, oh my, and we're getting yes. to the point are where you? we're just, like, what well, we want to watch, so our gimmick is that we want to watch every single vampire movie ever made. Uh, we're starting, like, primarily with American-based movies, and then okay. um, we're not excluding foreign films, but I just also don't speak many languages, yeah. and so can't necessarily, because they are, like, really popular in, like Mexico in the 60s or in Japan oh, in the 90s. And yeah. so it's just like I can't physically find
1: everything
2: sure. just sure. based on language barriers. So we're starting in one place <laughs> and um, adding any foreign films that people tell us about. And we're like, yeah, if you know it, we will add it and we will watch it. Um, but wow. that's so how many many my research.
1: How many films in are you?
2: 55 or 56. Like whoa <laughs> that's very um, impressive and so we uh, I know one was recently and then we've watched several since then um but we it's a collective of people we've got like um i don't know 20 some odd members and people just come over to my house we watch it and we talk and so it's a rotating group of guests um because there's no way i'm gonna have one person watch 700 movies like no (laughs) one likes me that much like i don't even like me that much yeah it's so far it's cool but it's also there are 15 dracula movies and we're like yep it's dracula again cool they just changed their names again cool yeah um so it was nice when we were watching bite me that we're just like oh okay these are new vampires and these aren't like the same vampires and we yeah. found there we found a lot of similarities between vampire movies and then a lot of nice differences so that is a fun piece of information that you that you cool. got to know like a real vampire which leads to my yeah. second question um we wanted to know your involvement in the vampire in like the psychic vampire community
1: yeah so I don't have any involvement really um I, I found out about them.
2: Like I don't expect you to be a real vampire.
1: (laughs) No. Well, sorry, sorry to disappoint you. I'm not a vampire, but, um, but so I found out about them. I did about two years of research um, on that community before I wrote the film or as I was writing the film. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will say that since the film has come out, I have gotten to interact with quite a few vampires um, who have come to see the movie in various cities and, all of them have been super excited and loved it and um, spoken a lot about how accurate it is. is, So that's very exciting. Mm. Um, Actually a couple of nights ago we were in Austin, Texas, and the king and queen of of the Austin vampires came to our screening and talked to me for quite a long time actor. It was very exciting. And they've invited me to vampire ball at Halloween, which I feel uh, extremely excited for. Oh my God. That's super cool.
2: Yeah. One of the things we noticed um, with your movie and then the and then um, there's a new television show that all kind of um, has started talking about like non-supernatural vampires, like real vampires Mm -hmm. that are living in modern times or whatever. It's not modern today, but whatever. Um, And one of the questions I posed was, I wonder if this will be a trend in vampire movies and in vampire um like uh, media
1: if yeah. that'll
2: be a trend that starts to get picked up which is super interesting and super cool um to see how things kind of progress um yeah well what's in- interesting
1: what's interesting about that is that what so i started i started writing bite me five and a half years ago and and as mm-hmm. i don't have to tell you vampire um, interest in vampires comes in cycles, right? So I started writing yes. this movie on a down cycle vampire moment, and as I was writing it, everyone's yes. like, "Vampires are over. Nobody cares about vampires. Why are you writing a vampire movie?" Um, yep. And then, luckily, just as it came out, the the vampire cycle kicked up again, and it is yes. really interesting that so many of them are real, and I think. Um, as I was doing my own vampire movie research before writing this, which was not, nowhere near as extensive as yours. Um, I, was mm-hmm. notice, I was noticing the extent to which what vampires mean in pop culture is always so tied to what's going on in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I, I don't know what exactly this means about our, our cultural moment, but I think, <laughs> like I said, it, it's kind of a time where we've lost magic and we've lost belief and we've lost, um, like, I think we're, we're, I think all of those things, it's like a, we we have to look at vampires in a more realistic way in that context somehow.
2: No, it's interesting that you say lost magic, though, because it does, there's this, this, like, oppressive, like, everything is heavy kind of feel, yeah. and, like, where, where is that, like, sense of, like, sense of whimsy, which also ties yeah. back into, like, how we thought it was cool that it was the joyful vampire tour. And we're just like, yeah, like (laughs) I love myself a good broody vampire. Like I love myself a broody vampire, but I can appreciate like still having that sense of whimsy. And one of the things we mentioned when we were watching it is when you, uh, your character and your two roommates uh, go into the park and you're going to make your big like announcement to the group. And how each one of you are just like oh yeah we'll totally dress in vampire drag this will be great and then um each one of you were so distinct in Mm -hmm. your outfit which was fantastic so one of the things that we totally talk about in every single dang movie is like why do they all dress like they're from underworld like why do they all (laughs) dress like they're from blade this is killing me like those aren't even old movies but like why is every modern vampire in like this stuff and so we're just like oh my gosh that chick is in like a bikini and like oh we can't she's in glitter this is amazing and that was one of the things we most certainly noticed and pointed out it was just like thank you We're just like yeah not all vampires have to wear the same damn thing
1: totally well and i have to give full credit to that to our costume designer veronica moonhill who killed it overall in this movie but most of all killed it in that scene um, that was good. And, and, and this feeds into actually your earlier question about what you're going to wear to the, the joyful vampire ball. So the mm-hmm. instructions, initially we thought we'd invite people to dress up as vampires, but then we realized that not everybody likes to dress up as vampires. And so we instead decided to make the instructions to come dressed in whatever makes you feel most joyful, which can be vampire-related or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had some really incredible Interpretations of those instructions so far in the story. Yeah, Um,
2: but I will agree with you on vampire um, like swings, where it's just like it's they're really really popular and then they're really really not. I ended up, uh, I guess it was really in 2016. I wrote a vampire like paranormal mystery novel, and it was most certainly released exactly when it should not have been. (laughs) <laughs> um because oh, everything no. was super saturated and everything was just like i was hitting um agents who were like no we don't even want to hear the v words like this is yeah. awful. um but then like it's totally happening again and now agents are looking for vampire novels again and interesting. So I'm like, there we go okay yep. we're back just on wait track a few <laughs> years. yeah yeah mm-hmm. um it's interesting they kind of like flip-flop with different monsters and that's one of the things we talk about when we get into certain horror movies and whatnot hmm. is the vampire uptick and what other monsters kind of take its place but that's super yeah. cool um so how the director is meredith edwards correct correct and then um she also directed your other movie um did, that you wrote and yeah. how did you meet her
1: Oh, how did I meet you? Did you guys have worked on other things? Like, have you worked on anything else? besides I post you or? No. So it was quite, um, quite by chance, actually. I was looking for a director for my first feature film. And, um, you know, it was sort of having conversations and interviewing people. And I went to a friend's birthday party that Meredith was also at. And we started having one of these sort of New York bullshitty conversations. We were like, well, what do you do? What do you do? (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. She's like, I'm, I'm looking to become a film director, and I was like, oh, I'm looking for a director for my film, and I was sort of like, okay, well, let's have coffee and talk about it, um, and we did, and I had this, Meredith had trained as an actress and had been an actress up until this point and had directed a theater piece but had actually never directed film before, um, okay. and I was interviewing other directors that were more experienced than she was, but When we had that first conversation about the film, I just knew that she was the person um, because she just understood the story at a level that nobody else did. And um, it's been a it's been a really, really incredible partnership over almost a decade now over the two films. okay, Okay. that's super cool. Um,
2: I was wondering if you guys were L.A. based or New York based, because I know this was filmed in New York, but I wasn't quite sure where you guys were.
1: So we, we were both initially New York-based and then Meredith moved to Los Angeles about a year ago. So now yeah. we're, we're split up again. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, cool.
2: And then one of my, not specific to your film, so I'm sorry, but it is um, okay. a Vampire Movie Club question that we asked, So yeah. oh, that we were asking, is, let's see, we have one, two, three things. So I know you researched the van- like the real vampire community when you were writing this, were you, did you have any previous interest in like supernatural vampires
1: in the past? For sure. Um, I loved I loved specific vampire movies a lot. The Lost Boys, which you brought up earlier being chief among them and, mm-hmm. you know, the hunger and Bram Stoker's Dracula and sort of those nice. movies. And I think there's something inherently fascinating and appealing about vampires but when i was writing i did also go back and and rewatch those movies and also try to go all the way back and start with not and um mm, okay also well, i watched a lot of dark sh- more of that of the original dark shadows than i would have maybe liked to to try to understand the whole barnaby <laughs> collins <laughs> thing yeah
2: yeah it was a tv show
1: yeah yeah it's it's a very yeah, I mean, weird tv show it's like nothing happens for like 29 of the 30 minute episodes and then one thing happens and then everything else is just like creepy long shots and very slow. I found the entire
2: series on VHS still sealed at a thrift store in Idaho. And there was every part of me that wanted to buy that and every part of me that did not want to own 200 VHS. <laughs> like I have an extension extensive VHS collection to begin with but like knowing that I had watched that show before and I'm just like oh do I 200 like to set Pardon. tape want to own this um and I yeah. still think about it all the time where I'm like I should have <laughs> bought it it would have been the dumbest purchase <laughs> I have no room for this oh I still regret it all the time
1: <laughs> that's amazing well, maybe so maybe someday you'll run into another one
2: you know, just the whole factory field set, naturally. Yep. <laughs> so, since you have, like, moderate experience with, like, vampire media, do you have a favorite vampire book?
1: Oh, um, I actually, love, say it. it's okay. <laughs> I actually love Dracula, which is such a boring answer, yeah. but I really think yeah. that is a fabulous book. And one that has really stuck with me since reading it. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then...
2: Do you have a favorite vampire movie? I know you're gonna gonna to, Lost Boys. Yeah, I yeah. think I'm going to
1: have to go with Lost Boys. Gotcha.
2: And then... Although, this although,
1: one, Les, although the original Let the Right One In is, of course, also
2: unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, we did a double feature of that where we watched is I think it's Swedish. The Swedish version and the American version. And kind of comparing and contrasting the differences. Mm-hmm. And um, easily all of us were just... We also had a bad... We didn't have subtitles, we had it dubbed and it was a bad dub and we're just like, ah, that's, no, kind of that's disappointing. We could have been able to like Yeah re- like read it and be a part of the subtitles and their acting and their interpretation and stuff like that. Um, as opposed to uh, this really bad American dubbing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this one is for me because I have a degree in history and love research more than I should. And <laughs> In writing my own vampire novel, I decided that I wanted to know everything about every single vampire um, mythology on the planet and It turns out that every culture on the planet has some sort of like empiric yes. like mythology it's not just like banshees are from here or zombies or from are from here like right like you have monsters that are very specific to certain regions Asia's got really cool monsters um but every single culture has vampires. And so, do you have a particular, like, vampire characteristic that you find interesting, like sunlight Hmm. or garlic or mirrors or, or, like, counting or whatever, or there's one in Laos where they turn into a puddle of goo and go fly around. And (laughs) Like, um,
1: do you have a favorite, like, piece of, like one of their myths <laughs> well I guess because this relates most closely to my vampires that I've spent five years thinking about I think mm-hmm. I think the blood drinking aspect and sort of what that means and what comes attached to that is so fascinating mm-hmm. and the way that that has modulated the meaning of that has modulated throughout history but how it's always been very tied to sexuality and the culture's relationship with sexuality I think is really mm-hmm. fascinating. And the ways and, and I was really fascinated to learn what an impact Anne Rice singularly had on transforming what that meant. Um, mm-hmm. from being sort of like a like she sort of made it a very appealing and sexy thing. Where before mm-hmm. I think it had largely been monstrous a monstrous sexual thing like sort of a mm-hmm. an aggressive thing
2: yeah and then she definitely I think she changed the tone of a lot of what vampires meant it's kind of amazing there was a um, person could do that yeah I know they they try to like even in the Bella Lugosi Dracula like they're trying to show him being sophisticated but never once is he like ultra like romantic and like sexualized but so Lugosi as a person was sure. like dreamy for the time. Um, but then that's, it never really ultra took off until later. Like even as we're watching right. older ones, like they are just monsters and they are just like, they're either space monsters or, or like um, supernatural monsters or they're science-based and it's always um, a checking. Um, and it right. was, it's not until later and most certainly in the seventies when she wrote, uh, was it the seventies when she wrote Interview with a Vampire? And like, oh, you would know better than I. I feel like it. I feel like it is, but I feel like there's going to be someone on the internet yelling at me right now. <laughs> um, that's oh like, well, oh, oh, she wrote oh, it, oh, everybody, yeah. That that was allowed to change the idea of it, and it's so funny because you do have like ultra romanticized vampires now. That you've got all sorts of fun ways that vampires exist <laughs> right for sure but one of the things we did notice in your movie is um someone had mentioned like why do why are they biting them on the wrist and i'm like well i think that's the most like that's the vein you can get to that's the least sexual because you got your neck which is a little too intimate and you've got like the vein in your inner thigh which is like a little too intimate for just like drinking purposes and i thought wrist like wrist thing that's not like a verb um so <laughs> a very normal and like the general like easy way <laughs> to take it yeah what you need.
1: <laughs> well this so it's interesting that you bring this up because of the videos that i've watched of vampires feeding most of them do it in different locations um like a lot of them mm-hmm. will have preferences and sometimes the the vampire donor relationship is sexual and then it does tend to be um in more intimate places Um, but one vampire, one real vampire wrote to me through the internet and said, actually, the one thing you got wrong is you don't feed on the wrist because it's too close to the vein. But then immediately after that, another vampire contacted me and said, I always feed on the wrist. So who the hell knows? But I think, (laughs) I I agree with you that cinematically, it's like a, it's like a very satisfying place to watch her feed from.
2: Yes. Like, especially in the context of your movie where I'm like, no, that one makes sense. Like that's not like too intense for just friends or just like um, a paid kind of a relationship. Like, right, it's, right. Yeah. Right.
1: It's, <laughs> it's not overly intense. Well, thank you. I appreciate that
2: uh, valid validation. <laughs> We also have a lot of, uh, we have one member of our club who gets really angry, angry because they always seem to bite them on that muscle, like, on your shoulder. Like, it's never knocking, like, it's never mm-hmm. right in the neck and, like, right in that vein. It's always, like, I think it's your trapezius or something like that. And they're just like, that's a muscle. You are not have to bite there. That's the only place to bite. Right. Like will Right. That's, yeah. a, that's a
1: great point. So,
2: uh, so, I appreciated it. And I... Yeah. <laughs> well, um, let me go in a
1: moment. Um, do you have like a favorite scene that you put to film? Uh, from, from Bite Me?
2: Oh, yes. Pardon me. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, oh gosh, it's so hard to choose. Um, the, probably the most fun film to scene, uh, to, sorry, the most fun scene to film was the vampire ball in the movie. Because, mm, yeah. um, we shot it in this incredible, synagogue that's been turned into an artist space on the Lower East Side in Manhattan called Angel Orange Vance that is just stunning inside. And our production and costume crew did such an incredible job dressing it up and we had 75 of our friends and colleagues show up at 5 a.m. dressed as vampires for free to be extras in that scene. And and because I, I was acting in the movie, um I didn't, I was sort of downstairs in hair and makeup and wardrobe getting ready, and I didn't see that whole setup until it was fully set up. And then I got called to set, and it was like walking into a live version of the weirdest thought you've ever had. Because <laughs> uh, I had written the scene and been thinking about it through 48 drafts of the script, but to walk into that so fully alive was thrilling. Um,
2: That's awesome. So that was pretty wonderful. Yeah, that's super cool. That was like, it was dark, but not annoying, but it was pretty and there were a lot of things going on and that was awesome. And I also decided that at the vampire ball in Idaho Falls, if there are not, if there is not a king and queen sitting on a big throne somewhere (laughs) in that room, I'm going to be upset because you always feel like you've vampire conventions or these big vampire yeah. meetings and you always have these like ridiculous grand throne chairs. And I'm just like, I want to be the kind of person that just gets to sit in one of these chairs and is like so confident enough to just sit there and be like, yes, exist in my society, like exists in yeah. my presence. That's fine. Well, and so I'm maybe, like, ah, I want one of those chairs.
1: <laughs> so maybe if we don't have one, you could locate a chair and sit in that way.
2: That will be the joy that I wear. I will just okay. be the chair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Well working. Like it has to exist here. Cool. Okay. Well, fantastic. Um, it was really great getting to chat with you about your movie. Uh Thank we had a you. good time watching it.
1: Thank you for having me on and watching the movie and I can't wait to meet you in Idaho Falls. Yay. Well have a wonderful rest of your afternoon and thanks for chatting with me. Thank you. You as well.
0: Thanks everyone for listening to our interview. If you want more information about Bite Me the movie and where you can see it and what is left of the Joyful Vampire Tour, you can go to bitemethefilm.com slash tour and you can get information about their next viewings. It looks like they have four more as of today's date, um, July 26th. There are three screenings in Massachusetts and then their final screening in New York on August 5th. And if you are not in one of those states, you can definitely watch it online at Seed and Spark or iTunes or Google Play or Amazon. So let's help them get their movie out and seen by tons of people. Thanks, everyone. Don't suck.